It's basketball time at the Q. Talking to our fans and then rival executives or coaches on the road that watch us play, and they say, man, you guys are so much fun to watch. And that's genuine. I think the, the thing that I'm most proud of is how this team captivated a city, um, you know, put the league on notice, um, forced the league to put us on a national TV game because they had to. Um, and the more of those will come, uh, hopefully next year. But they, they really, they captivated the city. They captivated a fan base. And it was, it was done the right way. You know, they were playing the right way. Unselfish, great character um, players um, that really bought in. And, and, you know, give J.B. Bickerstaff a lot of credit for creating identity, a culture, uh, a buy-in about team. Um, this really was a team that was uniquely for Cleveland. And I think you've, you saw the fan base really um, embrace this team. Uh, and it was uniquely theirs. And I think that's probably what I'm, I'm most proud of you know, on selfish play. Obviously, we had a lot of individual successes. Um, but when, when you guys write about the Cavs, you write about the Cleveland Cavaliers and what they did this year. Um, and I'm pretty proud about, about, about those achievements. Got my mind made up, come on, come on. get in, get into it, let it ride, tonight's the night, I got my mind made up, come on, on. get in, get into it, let it ride, tonight's the night. Rubber Rim Job, episode 11. I usually say the boys are back. This brother right here that I'm, I'm blessed to introduce right here, he's joined us a few times. Uh, uh, he joined the board around the same time I did. We came along, and then he just, uh, because his game was so much better than mine, he just took off. He's one of my good buddies on the board. Welcome, Mbubi We Trust. What's up, Rich? Glad to be on. A beautiful, I flew from Florida. It was 90 degrees, boobs to uh nashville is 60 degrees but i've heard it's pretty cold up there right now where you guys are well we got a freaking snow blizzard this morning um i'm on stowe i live in stowe okay so i live right right south of that or right north of akron right now and i love stowe got a couple inches and just uh it's all melted now i'm yeah. outside right now uh, in my car and um yeah we got boobs hanging out in his car right now like how how awesome is that like we i don't think we've had an episode with a co-host that's out in the car. Thank you for that, man. Oh, no problem. It's just better. I can yeah. my office, but it's better this way. So uh, with a three-year-old still awake. So. Oh, absolutely. One of one of yeah. my first, so I had my first place out in Kent, out on 59, when I was running one of the record sure. stores out there. Yeah. My, my second place was on off right off of Graham Road. Um, uh, if you went right, you were in Stowe. If you went left, you were in Cuyahoga Falls. And sure, it was yeah, right no, up, yeah, that. right up there off of Graham Road, off of Eighth Avenue, by the Cree, is it Krieger or something like that? That red market. That's yeah, the there. Krieger's market. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, still right there. Yep. Yep. Um, and one thing I used to hate about driving Graham Road into Kent was uh, Stowe Police were always, you know, like like I because there was a Boy, um, there was a Swinson's. Oh yeah, that's right, Silver Lake. That's right. That's right. Right. Good call. Yeah. 
on the freeway. Oh man, super and, late. They got that country club right there, brother. On the by the exit. And so I had this. Uh, I had this because I I fashioned myself a playboy. I had this Mustang GT. It was all black. I put this ridiculous tint on it, boobs. And <laughs> I had I had these twelves in the trunk. So I, you know, because I I thought I was, sure. you know, it was I yeah. was you know. And so I'm driving Graham Road to get out to Kent sometimes when I was still living out there. I got pulled over so many times. They were like, okay, we're going to pull you over this time for your windows, this time for yeah. your music, whatever. Um, but it was totally worth it because I would stop at that Swinton's that was right out there um, yeah. as you as you pulled into right Kent. Right on Kent Road, yeah. yeah. So I know your stumping grounds. We actually played one of our regional games at uh, Stowe High School, Stowe Bulldogs. We played one of our regional games out there when I was uh, playing high school ball. Yeah, so man, I like Stowe. It's real nice out here. Real Stowe, nice. Stowe's always been, been good to it, brother. <laughs> so sure. um, I guess that almost answers my first question, but where are you from, boobs, originally? I'm from Garfield Heights, closer up to Cleveland. So from a bulldog, now I was a Garfield Heights bulldog, and right. now, I'm, uh, now I'm on Stowe, um, closer to kind of where I work. And But yeah, Garfield Heights is where I grew up and graduated with... Uh, you know, Mr. Bask, man, Garfield Heights is just a freaking powerhouse now. No, they are. They are. At, uh, at the time. All those kids from the inner city living man. in the coach's living room. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that Michi Johnson out there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it was Michi, yeah. Okay. And uh, Sonny Johnson's the uh, coach still out there. AD That's right, Sonny Johnson, Sonny Johnson. We talked about that on the previous. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Sonny when Johnson, I was coming was along. Michi, Michi was the, he was the, one of the recent, like, standouts there mm-hmm. he was playing recently he was the kid lebron went to the game to, yeah absolutely he went to garfield heights to uh watch him i think his sophomore year or so because that dude was pulling up from like from from 40 uh when every yeah. time he crossed half court um well, so when i was coming along in early 2000s i don't know when you graduated from garfield heights you guys were like the third banana they warrensville always had 610 guys and bedford always had these big dudes and then right after those two teams we worried about garfield but what you're saying is those dudes are, are are roaming the roost now. Like you guys are running the whole chicken coop. Oh yeah, they run it. They run it. They're dude. They run with uh, St. Ed's and everybody. Now. I okay. mean, they, they. You know, I think they're ranked top three every year. Okay. Um, you know. All right. They're Garfield running. They're running recruits to D1 and everything. So. So you went from bulldog to bulldog. Stowe is yeah. the home of a. Uh, is it Larry Zonka? Is that where he's from? Stowe, I think. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I've been out here that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you haven't even stepped foot in the high school yet, man. I'm, I'm disappointed in you, boobs. I, I'm pretty no, sure no. Zonka from the Dolphins came from Stowe. Uh, or uh, I know that okay. Mike Vrabel went to Wash, but he was from the Stowe area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so how long have you been a Cavs fan, and what's your your favorite Cavs memory? If you're from Garfield Heights, I, I guarantee yeah. you're going to say life. I've been a Cavs fan my whole life. All obviously. right, my brother, my brother. My favorite memory, man, um, I think, you know, the single memory is obvious. I think it was the Detroit, the game five, and then game six, which is where my name came from. Shoot it, movie. Yeah, when Gibson (laughs) hit all those threes. But, man, nothing really brings the memories of that time back quite like remembering just LeBron stomping all over Arenas and Butler and Jameson when they were on the Wizards before we traded for Jameson's bonus. Back to back first round series, yeah. Um, just the Deshaun Stevenson diss song and yeah. all that stuff. I want to say they were were, I, were they both six game series. I think neither neither of them are sweeps. Um, no. Okay. I think five. Yeah, six. Five and six. I think so. That first year that they beat them, 
they almost didn't. Damon Jones hit a crazy shot. But yeah, I was actually, I was, brother, I was genuinely, I think we, that might have been like a 4-6 matchup, or not a 4-6, um, a 3-6 matchup. Or something. Yeah, 4-5, 3-6, yeah, something like that. But I was genuinely worried because at the time, and, and we'll put a pin in this comment, so don't don't let me veer off. At the time, I was so I was already so concerned about Mike Brown offensively <laughs> that uh, yeah. I was I was like, oh no, Eddie Jordan's going to Princeton him to death, and um, yeah, he, he, like there uh, were a couple Jordan. games, yeah, there were a couple games where he actually he did outpoint Brown, and it, I, I didn't feel like it should have been as close, but um, ultimately we won both series. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, yeah it wasn't quite as bad. He didn't have the guns that uh, Van Gundy did. Oh in man, 09. oh man, so. As as we're talking, or the, or the steroids. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And and we never let an episode go go by without mentioning O nine and absolutely always reminding everybody they were on steroids. Oh yeah, that's very important. Absolutely. Yep. Um, as we're talking right now, um, we're watching game two, or at least I am. Boobs, you're in your car watching cars go by. We're watching game two, Memphis and Mini, and it's all about matchups, man. Like there's, you know, Memphis. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they came back alive here. And they've they've actually made you know because Taylor Jenkins and his his whole team sure. is is so adept at making adjustments, um, but it's so much about matchups. It's so crazy. And those two series that the the Wizard series and that Magic series, it was all about matchups, and it was all about coaching Absolutely. being able to use the matchups well, to their advantage and stuff. But on top of matchups, though, what comes really out on top of matchups, though, I think we're seeing this. In a different series, in the Philly series, yeah, yeah it's all about talent, man. It's all about <sighs> top end elite winners and what they can do. Because Embiid isn't taking over that series, but the only reason Tyrese Maxey is is because Joel Embiid's on the floor. I agree. I agree. So I, um, I agree with that hundred you know, percent. The Cavs need to, man. Mobley is that guy, though. We fought, we have that again. Um, we have the guy that can be that top end talent. Um, so we don't have to, you know, you know, the Grizzlies are nice and I like the Grizzlies, but they're, uh, I don't know, man, they overshot, they overshot, uh, what their expectation was this year. I like I them a I, lot. I foresee an early exit. I, I like them a lot. And, um, they're, they're probably my secondary team. You know how you've always got secondary teams. Um, oh, for sure. Who, who is yours currently? I, I didn't mean to make us veer off, but who's your current? Oh, no, you're fine. My secondary team right now, um. I really, I mean, Mobley's rookie of the year, but I love the Raptors, man. Even though they're getting their nice. killed, nice. they're getting nice. killed badly uh, right now. But I mean, they just don't have the guns to go up against Embiid. They're a different team. Uh, they got the wrong match, but also about match, they got the wrong matchup, man. They, they do. don't have anybody to go with Embiid. And um, they're man, they're they rookie. They would have been better against a team like Boston. They that totally would have. Death match. Yeah. They're their rookie Boston, unicorn. Um, they they've actually lost their rookie unicorn, so that game two yeah. wasn't nearly as competitive. Um, no. even though game one no. eventually blew open, so I agree with that. I, I love that as your secondary team. Um, because I've always been I love a f- nurse. dude. I love nurse. I've, oh, I think he's the best coach in the league right now. I do too. So I love nurse. I've always been a fan of uh Yusai Mujiri, and absolutely. And uh, to bring he, a guy from the D league. A coach like that, and just and he does it him. every year. Boops, like he's if Something. he's every single year he's doing that. So like if it wasn't Fred Van Vliet, 
Then it was Pascal Siakam. Then it was Boucher. And, it, you know, like he's always plugging in somebody. And uh, there's a series on YouTube. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I think it's called Open Gym. Um, no. Okay. So there's, it it's like 10 years in. And so they started it, I believe, when Majiri first got there. And it's it's they follow the entire season, sort of like Rubber Rim Job, but like with video. And it's really awesome. Yeah. If you get a chance to check it out. I love uh, Majiri and I love Nurse. I love that he was ballsy enough to make that transition from Casey. Because everybody was like, yo, you could, you know, he's a coach of the year. Like, let's just keep. He's like, no. I was getting ready to veer into talking about them making a coaching change. So I'm actually glad that we stopped that because I want to, sure. I, I want to start this off positive and only talking, yeah. you know, like, all right, let's, let's do this. Like, let's, let's, let's prime this right for this episode sure. here. Uh, everybody has made fun of, and we absolutely, we make fun of them, but we love the, from the desk of Kobe Altman's right. Um, absolutely. It, that was the best part about oh, it. It's, it's been Kobe awesome. It, I mean, you want to make fun of it, but also you realize this guy was like a hermit crab for the first couple of years for the first four years or so. Yeah. Like, so now, now feeling himself. like it's, it's actually great that he's, that he's doing this. So, uh, this episode, we're going to say from, from the mind of Kobe Altman. Right. And you and I right. jointly, we're, we're going to see if we can, uh, there was a series back in the nineties and two thousands. It was like Herman's head or something. Do you remember that? Like inside Herman's head. It was a, it was a weird TV show where the whole show was like comedians that were inside this guy's head. Um, we're going to do something like that right now sure. where we're essentially, yeah, you know, like we're going to jump in there. Um, we're going to play the inside the mind of our president of basketball ops, Kobe Altman. So before I even jump in this, let me see if we're on the same page here, boobs. How you feel about Kobe Altman, and then we'll jump into what his job is in front of him. I mean, I think Kobe Altman has always been an excellent executive. Okay. Um, I think at first he, when he first got promoted, when you know Griff and Dan had their, you know Griff wanted, you know, hey Dan, I want all this money, and you can't tell me anything <laughs> ever. Because I don't like you, basically, right, right. and 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 because you you tell me too much. Well, Dan is obviously like, well, I don't pay executives one, so here's a long term offer with some money in it, but you know I'm your boss. You know I'm right, right. I'm Dan Gilbert. I own the team. Um, well, so then he made the switch to Kobe Altman, and you know Kobe Altman was out of his depth um, at the time, and. He had LeBron James, and he had you know kind of just, and he had the Kyrie Irving demand a trade. Right. You know, his first his first order of business <laughs> as a Cavaliers GM is to trade you know Kyrie second best Irving player away. Yeah, you know your second best player yep. to uh, be, you know, and then you're coming up on a contract year for the entire franchise. Franchise, Absolutely. and then you know you trade him away, but you can't really make the trade you want to because you have you. You know, the owner wants to thread the needle. He wants to compete now, and he wants a pick. So you get the Brooklyn Brooklyn pick. You pray. Listen, man, they knew Isaiah Thomas was never. They knew. Okay. That's why. That's very important to me. Did They actually knew. Like, like, I think I forgive it more if they knew and they were just like, we'll just take a gamble anyway. They knew because when the concerns about the MR, about the, Medical right. info came out when they did their own scans on him. They got that same info from the Celtics. Got it. But then they took a second-round pick with those kind of concerns. 
They knew. They, they, they knew. From day one, they knew that Isaiah Thomas needed surgery and that it was a probably a 18-month recovery period. Okay. Okay. And they knew. They knew. Okay. They just did. Um, they were hoping Jay Crowder would be a bit, much bigger participant than he was. A more, um, they a more willing he was one participant. of the best two-way players in the league. Right. But then his mom died, and um, he was having a tough time personally, man. Got it. And he just wasn't the same player that year that he even is now, years later. Um, so ultimately, uh, Kobe Altman did the best that he could, I thought. And I think with Dan's backing, they decided, you know. I mean, Dan was calling the shots, so let's be realistic. Okay, but, okay. Um, you know, they kept the pick. They were a Spencer Dinwiddie bomb away from getting Luka Doncic. I remember watching that all fold out and the way we were keeping our eyes on that lottery pick and everything, even though we were in a contention, like, you know, we were running for the finals and everything. And that, that right. game, oh, man, that game was like, oh. Because it was, it was yeah. like we can literally have the best of both worlds. Um, going into the playoffs and everything like that, we were so hopeful, like, Houston was one groin pool for Chris Paul away from upsetting the Warriors. Yep. So it was like it, it looked like we could like have our cake and eat it too potentially. We were uh, we were a George Hill free throw away from going one up one out. Man, and broke man. his hand yep. on the back, <laughs> punching things. So I totally get it. I totally yeah. I totally get where you're coming yeah. from. Like in hindsight, but, it's easy to say, oh, they shouldn't have did this, and oh, Kobe was you know he got off and he was so bad for this and that. But if you remember being in that moment, like. He could have had a couple breaks go his way, and right. it would, he would have looked like a genius back then. So absolutely, okay, okay. So well, proceed. And then he gets number eight, and he drafts not the home run of the draft, right. but Colin Sexton was a good pick in number eight. He's an electrifying scorer. You know, you, you got to hit singles at some point. You can't. You're not always going to hit a home run. You're right. not always going to have Evan Mobley right there. Um, you know, I think the Cavs wanted Trey Young, but he went way earlier. I think. The yep. Cavs may have wanted Shea Gilgis Alexander, but he wouldn't work out for them. There were so, there were some uh, there were some wild cards. There was the Kevin Knox out of Kentucky, who was yeah. you know who literally looked and played just like Booker, who had just been taken the year before. So he could have got baited into a couple of other guys other than this exactly. this, this little dude. So like let's let's also revisit that and and make sure that. I, I think you saw his vision for the team start there. Okay. Character guys, work ethic, um, one at least one elite skill. Um, you know what I'm saying? Sure. So, elite scorer. Callum Sexton is still the hardest worker on the team, even when he can only shoot from a chair. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, and you know, people have differing opinions on Colin. I'm not even his biggest fan as a you know player in general. We can get to that, but the end of the day, those are the guys you want in your corner. And then, you know, as Kobe Altman moved through the rebuild, and then, unfortunately, Dan Gilbert had a stroke, which forced Kobe Altman to kind of take ownership of the team and the situation in a way he almost never had to before. Um, And then the next year, he comes right back. Does he, 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 he's looking at pick number five, and, you know, Barrett and Morant, and Zion off Hunter. the board. Yep. So a pick number Hunter off the board at four. Atlanta leapfrogs him to go ahead of him. And he's looking his best player on the board is Darius Garland, a point guard. He just drafted a point guard the year before. So a lot of GMs in that situation, they would have gotten scared off. They would not have drafted Darius Garland. But after going and watching that guy shoot in the gym for about 12 minutes in a row and go through a workout in L.A. 
him and Bayline left with their jaws on the floor. Man. They were like, and what they the just, hell? I, and, and, and now look where we are now. We're about to give Darius Garland a super – or a, a maximum rookie extension this right, summer. Right, so, as possible. Um, you know, so that was the right call. I think Kobe Altman has the, you know, courage to make the right call, even if it's doubling down, you know, or, or even if it's calling out a mistake he previously made. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't yep. think he's going to double down on mistakes. Um, I think he's got – more autonomy than any GM has ever had under Dan Gilbert. Okay. And I think we're in a good we're we're in a good spot with Kobe Altman. So I don't think he really asked for much you know much better than what we have right now. Really quickly, because I mean, like he's been hitting home runs you know left and right lately. Yeah, really quickly because it's important to say this. Um, sure. He's not just a GM anymore, right? Like like no, he's, he's president of basketball he's, operations. He's president of basketball ops, and uh, we haven't seen anybody ascend to that under Gilbert. Gilbert's been the owner of the team now for. 15, 16 years. Right. Um, and so this is the first time a guy has reached that, you know, uh, by yes. by doing his job and, and sticking with the franchise. Um, and then uh, Mike Ganzi and Brandon Weems have both moved up, uh, moved into offices closer Absolutely. as the yeah. official GM and the assistant GM. Um, do, what can you, what can you say about either of those two guys? Cause I actually really, love and respect both of them like their contribution from what i've seen as a you know fan just watching um i was really worried about either of those two being poached almost as much as i was with my my um my next gm candidate who ended up getting poached by uh either utah or portland i can't portland um, yeah and andre andre patterson but how, how do you I feel about, how do you feel about weems and gansey really quickly I, I think you're seeing two excellent player development executives um they know not only you know how you know what to look for um when you're kind of you know drawing up a big board but they know they understand like fit they understand the game um and gansey gansey especially i mean weems is a different type of person than gansey but gansey is just he's 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 probably like the backbone of the analytics Okay. Full movement going to the Cavs is Mike Gansey and um, kind of how that relates to kind of just like player, um, you know, like the science behind the player, you know, getting them to eat right, getting them the best equipment to work out with, getting the right experts in place, nice. getting the best facilities, getting all those things. Um, and they're just big pushes behind that and really upgrading things with the charge too okay. and making that, you know, as much of a, um, you know, first rate farm developmental, system. Yep. exactly. Yep. First rate farm system. Um, and kind of getting, you know, they're able to kind of look at the things they do with the charge and see, Hey, this worked. Let's try it up here now. Right. This right. didn't, you know, they're putting things in action. Kind of what, kind of a little bit what Masai Ujiri was doing, you know, you know, kind of a little the same thing. You're seeing them come up with these undrafted players like Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade, um, and just, you know, getting those kind of contributions from those type of players right. is like that's home run stuff in the NBA. Can we take so? Can yeah, thank you for for that. Can we take a second to acknowledge how good that that whole system and that whole uh, like dude uh, Moses Brown at the end, um, Goodwin. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. you, you already mentioned Stevens and Wade from last year. Like these dudes are finding these diamonds, and it's so essential for a market and a, and a uh, organization like Cleveland 
to be able to do that. Like the, the saving exactly. grace, the, the big saving grace for the guardians all these years has always been their pitching development, right? Like they, right. they do what they do, but as long as they keep finding those golden arms, they can, they can supplement their, their lineup, their bats and stuff. And they just keep developing these kids, right? Cavs are starting to show something like that when they are able to pull exactly. these guys out of their, 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 their ass essentially like, Essentially, it, exactly. Yeah, and I, I love how boobs. I love how the premium has been set that they're finding a lot of experienced guys. Like like Wade and uh, Stevens were both four year uh, college yeah. players, so they're actually like let's let's potentially find not necessarily a Draymond, but you know like those those guys that are ready. If sure. the, you're patient with them and let them get caught up to the speed, they can actually make a difference along the margins at a at a at a discount. Um, and I, exactly. I, I can't help but say, you know, one of the teams that's best known for that, of course, is Miami. Pat Riley has made yep. a career out of finding the Anthony Masons and the, you know, whoever you want to, uh, oh shit. What was that point guard's name for them down in the heat? The ball headed Anthony something. Uh, he went on to play with the nuggets. I, I can see Anthony Carter. Um, okay. Yeah, he yeah, was, yeah. Like Pat Riley has always been the king of finding those guys and, and being able to, you know, help them develop and, and find a role. Duncan Robinson kind of thing. Cavs are starting to show with Altman, Gansey, Weems that they're capable of doing that too. And I, I couldn't be happier because of, we don't have the Miami beaches and stuff to lure those free agents. So that, that really gives us, right. that, that gives us an advantage that we didn't have before. And all that is overseen by Kobe Altman. I love it. So, love it. You got, you know, he's built this man from the okay. ground up. He took, he learned a lot from Griff. Don't get me wrong, but he, he's really made, taken ownership of it and made his own. So sure. Kobe Altman, man, from the mind of him. I, I think so, he's a, I think we have a good, I think we have like our, I, I don't, you know, I think we have kind of, I'm not going to like compare him to Pat Riley or anything, but I right. think we have kind of our executive in place, you know, that um, we can trust okay. as a fan base. I, I love, so, and you know, like this isn't, you know, he's a brother, you know, like, and I'm, I'm, we talked about uh, Isai Majiri and um, during the pandemic and stuff, this came up a lot because of the different, you know, racial tensions and all that kind of stuff that was going on. Um, but we're going to use this to transition. Transition city. Transition into talking about our head coach and the relation he has with that front office because both of these guys are brothers. And I'm, I'm like, for me, I, there's, there's some confliction because I'm like, oh, like we got this one right. Like, and this brother's doing what he's supposed to do. He's got this organization. He's got the people underneath him. Everything looks structured. Everything is running. And then we go to that front chair with a uh, equally young brother. Like he's, he's 42, 42 or 43 JBB. Um, Kobe is very young. So he's grown on the job as well. Um, But JBB, I don't have the exact same um, level of confidence as I do. Like I, I just spoke very glowingly in how confident I was with Kobe I don't feel that exact same way um, when it comes to that head chair. So let's actually use this to transition over there and let's dissect it a little bit. Um, sure. Cause boobs this season uh, by all, by all stretches of imagination and everything was actually an overwhelmingly successful of season. Course. Right. Let's, let's Absolutely. give that caveat, you know, like the, we of defied course. expectations on a lot of levels. Um, some of that you want to just directly attribute to that unicorn that we lucked into. And we're going to talk about him, but it, we needed to, 
like you cannot shortchange JBB for having the guys bought in and believing that they were better than just a, a you know, like a 20 and whatever we were projected at the beginning of the season. Um, no, you can't. Right? Um, no, you can't. I mean, a lot, I've been frustrated, openly frustrated with bigger steps on the board. Right. And that's no secret. Um, but, you know, at the same time, after I get over whatever I just saw him do or not do during the game, I'm like, man, is this, is this a function of like dramatically increased expectations right. in the short right. run? Like, um, because, you know, some of these things you wouldn't even be thinking about worrying about with him, um, you know, last we year were, at the same time. Right, right. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, now he's, you know, in the playoffs and he's going uh, and he, or in the play, the play in and, um, or, you know, heading towards the playoffs and trying to hold on to a sixth spot. Right. He's got a decimated injury laden roster. Right. And um, the only thing I would say is that I think while the front office and the coaching staff remain on the same page, outwardly and inwardly, I think there's maybe a little kind of um, in the back of your mind type of thing with some people in the front office that are like, what, what happened right. with some of the things that, cause you know, they have a very open communication uh, thing going on with Bickerstaff. They talk all the time, you know, they don't tell him ever what to do. You know what I'm saying? It's his team. He runs it as he sees fit. Sure. They give him the players. Um, and that, that's how they're going to do things. And that's how Kobe Allman has decided that they're going to do things. But they hear, you know, they, they, they get come out of these conversations with him. And this is some things, this is something that I'm kind of saying that I kind of know to be true as per things I've heard is that they've come out of these conversations, these pregame or um, these, these planning sessions with, with bigger staff thinking one thing. And then they see the game happen and they see, something totally different take place and they kind of wonder what what broke down to cause that to have to happen and i think some of it can be a function of jbb never really being i mean he's been a head coach but he's never been a head coach with these kind of expectations with this kind of talent um in this kind of situation before so at the end of the day you know and that I, i try i try really try to be um forgiving in that sense but then there are some things like, man, can can a coach really fix these things? Like some weaknesses that I see that, and I'm I'm like, can can you get by without that? Um, <laughs> how much I, talent do you need? I know exactly you what know? you're saying. Yeah. So let's let me um for the listeners out there, and I know most of the guys who are listening, I, I've had it confirmed for me recently, boobs, that we got a little contingent that are not actually RCF members. So we we're like we're we're starting to stretch out with rubber rim oh, okay. job and we were getting some guys outside of, of that. Um, but uh, for those that are not, that are not on the board. Uh, so in our game day threads, uh, booby here uh, has championed long ago, calling out some of the shortcomings and things like that. And, you know, like there's guys on the board who are like, Oh my God. But as the season went on, like some of the concerns and fears materialized. Right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, like there's now there's a there's a contingent that's also like, hey, no, we see this every game, like the Sir Doms and the Cuckoos and these guys. So if you're not on the board, first and foremost, get over there and join the board. Get on there and join us. But I, I wanted to give a little oh, context, yeah. you know, because as as great as uh, Boobs uh, 
uh, NBA fan mind is to me. Um, that's been a, a spot where he's been attacked recently, but I'm like, I don't think this cat is wrong. I love his passion. Um, and so here's the way I approach it to um, kind of like you, you threw me the alley-oop on the JBB concern. Sure. I'm similar to you. Um, I'm harder on my coaches cause I've coached. Um, and I went from player to coach and I've coached against guys who didn't coach, who didn't play. I've also coached against guys who handed my, handed my ass to me. Like I knew during some games where I was playing checkers and the, the coach on the other side was playing chess. And I was like, shit, you know, like I'm, I'm going to have to watch this, you know, and I'm, when I'm saying I've coached, I've seen you know, a seventh, eighth grade, but I've, I've coached and I've sat on some, uh, in some varsity and things like that. I've helped with right. developmental projects in regard to helping guys develop. So I have an appreciation for the strengths. Like I've seen some strengths from JBB and his staff. I've sat personally and watched JJ outlaw like a wizard, like work with Garland Sexton, a and some respects, some of these perimeter guys. And I've also sat and watched Lang work with the big guys. You know, like I've watched these dudes help develop these guys. So it's not a butcher session, right? Like we're not this, we're not butchering right. the bench. Absolutely, but, but really, they did a great job developing. Absolutely, these guys. some, 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 right? Some um, guys, yeah, but some guys. <laughs> but <laughs> then there's also there's innate things that you can see from a coach. So like while I'm sitting on while I was sitting on the bench and I had certain guys, you know, across from me or whatever, and I was like, ah, this dude is watching. He's seeing the game a little bit quicker. He knows his team better, and he also has a feel for how to like when to work the refs and how to work the refs. Um, all of those things don't always line up with uh, what where JBB is at. And I have concerns that are like, there's some of those that are like not innate, you know, like that should yeah. be. Like if you're going to yeah. be great at this, and I, you don't have to be a former player. There's there's Bud, right. there's Atkinson, there's guys that are like, you know sure. they have a feel. Nurse even, I don't believe, was a oh, former yeah. player. Um, but like some of the other guys, like Larry Brown and the Van Gundys, they all played and stuff like that you know, whatever D five or whatever they play, but it doesn't matter. Right. Um, in this case, JBB played in college. He was a, uh, I want to say D one athlete actually. Um, I want to say, what is he? Six, four, six, five or so. Um, there's, yeah. there's times boobs where I'm like, ah, oh, this, I, I don't see that this guy sees this game like in, in, uh, from a tactical place that, yes. that you can actually just develop. You know, like um, sure. there's there's things that Ty Lue or even, oh. uh, you know, like there's things that certain coaches that sure. have always been around the game. There's chatter right now about Gary Payton on the board, not like a like a realistic coaching thing, but that he right. should be in coaching. And I kind of agree <clears throat> because I did see him with the big three stuff and I did see him sewing into guys and talking the game to certain guys and using matchups right. and stuff. And I was like, could Peyton coach? He talks so much that he's always been a character, but he could coach. If Mark Jackson and some of these other guys could coach, I think Gary Payton could too. Sure. Some of those things are missing here. And it really concerns me from a standpoint of, um, if you're getting your, your lunch handed to you tactically too frequently, I, it, to me, I'm like, I don't think, you see, I don't see a pathway to that being a skill that's going to be improved on. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I did all I that to say yeah. that in a big way, oh, but um, that's sure. that's my biggest concern. That is my biggest concern too. Um, 
it's like feels Mike. Okay, I'm not calling him Mike Brown. It feels Mike Brownish. Yes, you know. Yes. yes. Um, when we had Ty Lue, man, that guy could barely get there to show up for practice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or <laughs> you know, you know, during the regular season, you could barely get guys to run past the half court line. Right, but right. listen, man, if we were tied, even in a regular season game, if we're tied, timeout. Everybody comes to the sidelines. Lou just would hold his hand up. He'd pull out the old school clipboard with the marker, and then you'd just see this dude. <laughs> there'd be lines going like this, this, and then we'd come out. LeBron would LeBron would be in the corner. You would just see, you know, just something happened where, you know, we're getting a uh, wide open JR three, or you got jumpered right. on a lob, or right. you know, or like that Minnesota game where he, where LeBron LeBron yep, yep. hit the game winner with the cross court pass from love yes, like sir. that was all that was all drawn up that was all ato they call them atio you yeah, know what i'm saying right atos you know you know atio he he that guy to draw up and not a bounce play and those are the innate things man right. that's one of the biggest things with me innate things that you can do to kind of give your team that edge because with coaching in the nba there's three rungs of coaches. There's coaches who won't win your game and won't lose you a game. Right. And I kind of see Mike Budenholzer as that type of coach. Then there's coaches that can win you a game, like Spolstra, Popovich, Nick Nurse. They can do something in the game or before the game right. that just completely changes the game on balance. It just completely shifts the board like a chess match. It's just like changes the position of like three different pieces and ultimately – and leads to the game being won in the end. But then there are guys that can lose you games. Right, right. And I'm more worried not that he isn't a guy who can win you a game. I'm more worried that he's going to end up being a guy that will lose you a game. Understood. Understood. I just want – he needs time. I mean, listen, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Let's be realistic about that, first of all. Right. Um, they signed him to an extension this year, and that wasn't an accident. And they don't think it was a mistake. Let me so, let me say this really quick. So I have two things. Yeah, the, the first thing I want to say is I know a great breakdown on the tiers of coaches. Um, and I agree with that. And I can see there, there's a body language that comes from players when they know they're being put in an advantageous position. Like, especially when yeah. you have smart players. So like, um, like LeBron. Like when he, oh, yeah. yeah, like there were a couple of times that Blatt drew up some ATOs and Braun actually was like, oh, wait, this guy knows what the hell he's doing, you know? Um, right. And that, that probably saved Blatt through that first year. There were times where um, I, just through my, through my naked eyes, I watched um, as a young budding player who's been getting smarter and understanding the game more, a guy like Garland, he actually would look over and be like, I don't, you know, necessarily feel like I'm we're being optimized. And that's a fear that I have because as this guy matures more, some of his, the way that he reacts to coaching and the way he engages with coaching and stuff, it's going to, it's going to be framed by his relationship with JBB here. You know, Absolutely. Um, I don't have the same concern with Mobley, but I, I kind of do from the standpoint of super cerebral players they they know when their coach is being out coached, you know, like and they yeah and 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 the players that follow those players it carries its way through, you know. So there's that thing. That's the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing that I wanted to say was uh, 
through a lot of my concerns and things like that, like I'm still like eternally optimistic. So I'm like, oh, okay. So we know that there are some shortcomings. We hope that the org, that that front office that we talked about, um, Altman, Gansey, Weems, is able to effectively communicate the way that they need to to shore up some of that with this head coach. Um, right. My, I can't help but hope. Like, okay, we're going into next season. I'm not. I'm not the guy that's like, you know, let's get this over with as quick as possible. Let's get to the halfway mark and let's get that. That's not me. So, like, right. I, I, it's important that I say that and I quantify that because, um, in my dream world, um, we put somebody on that bench. Like, like Mike Brown had Hank Egan, and he also had, you know, like he he had uh, Mike Malone at one point. Mike Malone was such a top-rate assistant. Like, Brendan Malone has been a career top-rate offensive assistant. Great mind. Mike Malone was great for Mike Brown there. I don't see that guy sitting next to JBB, and I hope that that becomes a priority this offseason because I still believe that he can – Sure. Yeah, like like the, like the shortcomings can be plugged if we just shift some things around, and it's not just they a personnel can't. thing. That's that's the way I'm approaching it. I, I mean, I think I agree with you there. Um, whether they're looking for that guy or whether Bickerstaff is, I mean, I don't know that they've been they're up against the wall close enough to it now right. for that to be something that is going to be seriously considered. To be quite honest with you, I think that might be something that you know. Hey, JB, you know, when, when your job all of a sudden is, is becoming hot, right, you know, that right, seat's right. becoming warmer and warmer, uh, that's the thing that kind of comes into play. And, you know, Bickerstaff did things this year that gave me some hope in terms of, like, but that also kind of concerned me in a way at the end with the Laurie Marchand thing, with going big. You know, that was the zagging when everybody's zigging, you know. Right. I like that. I, I love like that. that. I loved it a lot. Um, And it worked. You know, and I think I kind of see a framework of success where that can work, not just in the regular season. That can work in the playoffs at times. I agree. But I feel like, you know, and it may have just been kind of a reaction to the roster and how things happened. He became so over-reliant on it. It's like when we had to go small, he was just out of his depth. In, in a way that was concerning. Yeah. Um, um, so I remember, uh, I remember that time period and we were having discussions on the board and I like from the moment that trade was made before the trade was made boobs, I was like, okay, uh, this Okoro at three thing will not work. So I was even willing to do Larry Nance jr. At the three, like, I, uh, yeah, like, absolutely. like, I, like there was, there was a part of me that was like, Let's do what everybody else is not doing. Like we know the Warriors ushered in this brand, right? Um, positionless, you know, Draymond sometimes, you know, Hampton five, we'll, we'll go, we'll go small, all that kind of stuff. But how many teams and where are the teams that are doing something different with length and everything that we've, that we've known actually works in this league. Right. Um, so I have to give credit because uh, we've known since Okora was drafted that he's, a JBB kind of guy, right? Um, but he was willing to make that adjustment before the season started, where he was like, you know what? Coral will come off the bench, you know? Um, just, you know, Sexton Garland, and then we went with the three towers and stuff. 
so there's there's been times where JBB made tough decisions, like we just said about Altman, that gives me hope that that's you know there's 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 growth potential. Um, the the big concern is still the in game tactical and rotational stuff, but um, we've seen he's made tough decisions in the past, and I don't know if arms were twisted in order for that to happen. Doesn't matter. Um, my optimism, and as we're having this call right now, and I'm talking about it, I'm I'm talking myself more into think like growth can happen this summer uh, that does not you know make me come away as concerned about the in game sure. management and stuff based off of some of the decisions that's been made that he made, like you just said, zagging when other yeah. teams were zigging and everything like that. So exactly, and just being willing to do that is it's a it's a good quality. It is. Like, it is. You know, it's a good quality. Um, and I, I want him to use that as a tactician more agreed instead of just as a decision maker. Agreed. Agreed. For a roster. So agreed. I, you know, I agree 100%. Oh, I, I just hope for the best, man. I, I root for him to win and it's not like I want them to lose. So, or I'm not, I'll, I'll never be the guy that wants, like you said, never <laughs> want them to lose so right, that we can right. get somebody else because the guys that I probably want, I won't be available. Um, or they probably won't grab them anyway, look at somebody else, <laughs> or they right. want to come to Cleveland, whatever. Um, so, you know, with what we got, you know, we, you know, and then the way the guys run through a wall from him, for him, I got to respect that. You got to. Because that doesn't happen everywhere. The kind of culture and the kind of togetherness, you know, they're talking about the team, you know, and the, um, we'll get to this, I know, uh, momentarily, but, like, they had the exit interviews and stuff, and then they were talking with them, the exit interviews with the media and the players, and, like, Kevin Love's already planning a, a summer training camp for these In guys. Nashville, here in Nashville. Uh, they're all right, in Nashville. Right. Yeah, yeah, right there, right by you. Um, and then, like, you can go play, You can go sing karaoke with them, man, whatever. <laughs> they... <laughs> uh, I promise you, I'm not even joking, because there was a time where um, Baker and, and uh, uh, Wyatt Teller were here. And, yeah. and they, they posted it at the day after. But I was like, man, if Teller is still here, I, I love Teller. Teller's my favorite offensive guard, my, my favorite yeah. offensive lineman. So I was like, if they're still here, I'm gonna I'm gonna go chat with Teller. Like that's that's what I cared about. I do the same thing here. Um, so let's put our our mind of Kobe yeah. Altman hat on and let's close out the yeah. JBB part of this segment, right? With yeah. with our mind of Kobe Altman hat on, we've determined we're going into this next season giving our 42 year old coach who just got an extension an opportunity to grow more, right? Uh, yeah. If the opportunity presents itself, because we're not going to force him. You know, we're the type of executive that's like, we hired this guy to do this job. We're going to empower him to do it. We're not going to force him to do it. If there's an opportunity for him to upgrade his his the other guys in his uh, his bench next to him, cover some of those warts, we would highly yeah. encourage it. You know, like we we'd yeah. actually would say to him that that could be you know like there's this at your disposal in order to if you need to you know like like go get your go get your boy Fizz you know like they're like butt buddies like. Like yeah. go, go get somebody who's who's got some game time sure. chops, who you would actually trust once they sit next to you, um, and, and this is no slight to Buckner because I actually really love Buckner over there. Um, I've seen him during games where he gets up and he's trying to plug certain holes. You know, like JVB's working the refs. Sure. Buckner, Buckner gets up and he's like, "Let me talk to these guys." Um, so there's no slight to him, but that there's there's a need still to have some things plugged up. But from the mind of Kobe Altman, we're moving forward with our young extended coach who has the guys bought in still. Um, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? Are you are you in agreement on that 
since we're yeah, both? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Okay. I mean, there's, that's that's the way it's gonna go. And I mean, so I mean, it works. It's 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 working right now. Okay. Okay. So um, until it doesn't, until it gets to the point where it's it's untenable, you have to keep. You have to hope for the best, and you have to give them the room to grow. So I'm, I'm on board. All right. So. um the next, you know, we're and we're gonna play clips of Altman's exit stuff throughout this. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be splicing it up. I don't know which order he sure. went in, but I'm gonna go with the very next and the very most. The thing that gives me the most optimism is our unicorn sure. um, boobs, like yeah. that. Like before the oh, season before the season started, there was this there was this nagging and pending feeling that we still needed to get lucky. We still needed to hit big, like, like, yeah. at, you know, as, and so that, yes. that lottery night happened. We lucked into that third pick yeah, and we did. Uh, there was all kinds of discussion. There was all kinds of names. There was all kinds of moving around and all this kind of stuff from, from day one, as soon as the, the Rancho uh, season was over his senior year of high school and he went to USC, I was like that guy, you know, like in the same way that I did yeah. with, with uh, uh, MB coming out of Mount Verde. Same thing here. I was like that guy. Like he's going to be, a, he's going to be a perennial all star at least uh, because of his tools. If he, you know, like even comes close to reaching where he's supposed to go to, um, uh, lock in on that guy. And when that third pick happened, boobs, I did not think we were going to be able to call this kid's name. That was the best thing that could have happened this summer. I can't. We, oh my god. We can't understate well, that. The, yeah, the Cavs knew kind of early because it, it came out. Houston was enamored with Jalen Green, right, right, very quickly. Um, so the Cavs knew on lottery night that they would have a chance to draft Evan Mobley after they figure out where they were picking. And from that point on, they were. You always do your due, your due diligence everywhere, but right. they weren't trading that pick as much, just as little as. Um, you know, the Grizzlies are trading John Morant, the John Morant pick when they got, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. They were never, they were not trading that pick for any amount of reasonable compensation, even unreasonable compensation. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard. You know, you can have as many number 10 picks in a row as you want, right? but you're never going to get an Evan Mobley. No, you're not. Uh, unless you get lucky. No, not you are sure not. Thing, Evan Mobley. So I mean, like, you could know, you imagine? We, I mean, we know what it's like to we know what it's like to draft these kind of guys. We know what that means. Man, could you imagine so, boobs that that Seattle War Room back in two thousand and uh, whatever year Durant came out? Right. And, uh, yeah. You know they got and everybody knows Portland's taking Odin at this point in time, and they probably their phone was probably going crazy. And at the time, they had all these motivating factors because they were getting ready to be purchased within the little bit sure. of time. There were there were some guys in that draft that were probably more ready and probably could pay dividends, like sell some tickets right away, kind of thing. If they were like trying to save sure. the Sonics, could you yeah. imagine like like knowing because at, at, at Texas KD was very clearly a unicorn. It was like uh this guy, oh my God. like what like this almost seven foot guy is shooting threes because he doesn't have any muscle on him yet, um, but he's going to take over games at some point in time. That's what it kind of looked. That's what it felt like to me. As soon as we knew Houston was definitely taking green, it was like, yes, I hear the offers are coming. I hear OKC is willing to give 
uh, Presti's firstborn child and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like no way. Like I don't care under any sort. I don't. I, I don't want SGA anymore. Like I don't. Whatever they got to offer, I don't even want it because we know what this guy is going to be. Maybe in two or three years, dude. From day one, this guy took the court, and you're just like, we got him. Like this. Like yeah. You know, we're like this is the guy. All right, so. We did all the roses and all that kind of stuff. We're really optimistic about uh, the unicorn, Evan Mobley. What best, if you're Kobe Altman, are you saying, you know, from your mind right now, let's make sure this guy is getting this done this summer. Let's make sure as we get ready to come back and, um, you know, get ready from our summer work that this has been developed for this kid for year two. I'd say wait. Is number one from a physical standpoint. Shooting, number two, from an in-game fitting on the roster, fleshing out his best talent standpoint, free-throw shooting, mid-range shooting, three-point shooting is number two. And number three is that dribble, that face-up game, that dribble-drive game that he started showing at the second half of the year when he was blowing by guys from the outside. He was. Twisting through three guys and laying it up or switching ball right to left hand midair and slamming it. He started tightening up his dribble a little bit. Like he, when he came back from that injury, like he showed, hey, I I can actually tighten this thing up. It's not just, it's not just out there for anybody that wants to take it. I'm sure he was probably watching a film of himself. Absolutely. uh, The kid, the kid makes adjustments not just from game to game, but from quarter to quarter. So I agree with I agree with your list. I agree with your priority. There's no way. There's no reason. So like last summer, we saw a whole bunch of video of him and Stephen Adams working. He started yeah. off, and you could tell Stephen Adams was pushing him around, all this kind of stuff. And as the, as the workouts went along, you're like, wait a minute, this guy is giving him the business. You know, like like he's exactly he started actually adjusting. He started facing him up a lot more in their one on one stuff. He started battling him. He started learning how to use his base a lot more. Um, yep. This summer, if I was like, hey, I'm going to pick this guy for him to work with, I don't even think I would pick Steven Adams. I actually would really like to see him pick up some of Lori's. Help me say this, boobs. Is it Lowry or Lori? Because I'm always, I want to. Uh, they call him Lowry. I call him <laughs> Lowry Martin. I Lowry. think it's usually the call. Okay. John Michael. Okay, okay. Thank you, John Michael. Because I like I want to say it. You know, we talked about it on one of the other episodes, and I was like, I want to say it like the season salt, and that's exactly what it is to me. Um, I want to see. I want to see him pick up some of that because, uh, yeah, Lowry is not doing it off the dribble per se, um, but he's sure of it. It's it's like if he gets it, like he knows where his release point is every time. It, he uses his height to get that release point. Like you, like rarely during the season, just now, boobs, did we see Lowry marking and shot being blocked from on a perimeter jumper. Um, Mobley, yeah, there's no, not. yeah, there's some inconsistency with Mobley with his release point. There's some inconsistency sometimes with his form. Um, so as you said, yeah, strength first. Uh, let's let's really tighten and weaponize that jumper because it's shown some capabilities, right? Um, if he spends the entire summer working with his brother, Isaiah, that would be cool. Cause I saw Isaiah sure. this season really show his face up potential. And you show mean future Cav, Isaiah Mobley? Hey, I, hey, I would love that. <laughs> I would honestly love that. As I'm watching right now in this game, 
Um, I'm seeing uh, Jaron Jackson's best friend from Michigan State, uh, uh, Tillman, Xavier Tillman. Yeah. He's he's literally a position. He's he's a uh, content. He's a contributor on a contender solely because right. of his relationship with JJ with JJJ. Yeah. He he. This guy he's he's unlocked himself. He looks like a defensive player of the year candidate now. Um, and that first year before Tillman got there, he looked like a kid that was yeah. lost and wasn't sure about anything. So, uh, yes, bring in Mobley. That's his. That's thirty nine. We got thirty nine and fifty seven. Man, that's yeah. his best friend. It'll help him develop. It will keep him in the gym, and it would help. You know, iron sharpens bring iron. Bring in Papa Mobley, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Put him on the bench, right behind JBB. Yeah, this guy. Uh, Give my boy the ball. <laughs> I I don't. You know what? I I don't. You know, Mobley. He would actually tower over. You know, he played for the Bucks. I remember him playing for the Bucks back in the yeah. early nineties. And I don't know where else he played. He would tower over everybody on the coaching staff. And usually, JBB is the tallest guy out there. Right. Him and Lang. Yeah. So that would be funny. Um, yeah, it would be. But yeah, no, we're on the same well, page with Mobley. I don't know um, what all he has planned already for his summer. Um, but I, I would really, I'm, I'm excited, you know, like I'm excited to start seeing the videos sure. and stuff, start seeing some of that because as the season wore on and as we got into the play-in games, here's another transition. Cause we're going to talk about those coming up here pretty soon. Um, sure. in that beginning of that Atlanta game, he was being used perfectly boobs. He was yeah. flashing to the high post and he was being decisive with it as soon as he got it. He was like, yes, all right, like what, like, what are you guys doing? Because I'm going to move this ball. And then the next guy, so he was like a hockey assist, assist guy. He was moving the ball. Yeah. The next guy was kicking it. Uh, marketing kept being wide open in the corners. Um, exactly. They were, it, was, it was so strategic what they were doing with him and how he was yeah. doing it. And then we just went away from that in the second half. Yeah. And I was like. You, you have to react to a seven-footer having the ball. You have to. Like that. You have to react. Whether you look at him, you shade towards him, you do, you double him, you don't have to react to a guy dribbling the ball 35 feet from the basket. You just right. don't have to react right. that early right. in the shot. You don't have to move your defense. You don't have to do anything. You can set it, if anything. So Any defense looks compromised if the guy has his triple threat, like right where Mobley was getting that ball. Yep. Um, exactly. That needs to be where he is. Like he can be our secondary guy in that starting lineup from a standpoint yeah. of as a hub, he's such a great passer, you know? Like he is. Oh my God. Like that. Yeah. Pip is going to hate hearing this, but I haven't seen a big passing like that for us since Z, you know, like Z did some <laughs> very smart things, passing the, passing the ball as he got older and he, he really kind of slowed yeah. down. Doherty championed it in the first place. Um, but you know, cause Doherty was a really good passer too from the high post. Mobley right. is Mobley is Mobley is online with those two guys as a passer. So we just yeah. got to get him to tighten up that dribble, like you said, and weaponize that jumper a little bit more. Yeah. Your next point was how far the natural development of our players can take us. Let's hit that. If yeah, if we, hey, all right, you know, like let's get to work. Let's use this, you know, this fourteen pick, which we're gonna touch on in just a second because we're gonna speak sure. very highly of the fourteen pick and all the options, but we're also gonna, you know, allow ourselves to dream that we get some lottery luck. But we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Um, if we just add that 14th pick, we do some minimal, you know, moving around. And I'm talking about like um, some the tertiary, like the Osmonds and the, that kind of stuff. Sure. And we come back with the same core and we just, you know, like let's watch these guys grow up a little bit. 
Let's expect mm-hmm. the coaching staff to have more purpose for him on both ends. Um, the question that you asked that uh, the mind of Kobe Altman has to be stewing over right now is how, mm-hmm. how far the natural development of our players can take us. How do you feel about that? I feel pretty good about it because one, the natural development of Evan Mobley could be an MVP. Um, so, you know, the natural development of Darius Garland could be Chris, uh, Chris Paul. Do I have to whisper that if I say it? Chris, Chris <laughs> when Paul? you're saying natural, you're saying the, the best case, like the ceiling, the yeah. best case. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, please yeah. don't whisper it like that. No. Cause I agree with you a hundred percent. Go ahead. You I- know, um, Okoro's the, the biggest uh, whipping boy right now on the board. Sure. For good reason. Is he an NBA rotation player? I mean, I think certainly he could be. Absolutely. Um, a valuable rotation player. Um, Karis LeVert, just a natural development in terms of getting using him the right way. Um, getting him with the right groups of people on the floor, I think, is important. And getting the right guys, you know, maybe alongside of him, maybe more wings, more shooting on this team to – you know, kind of facilitate the natural development of what we got. And by, you know, obviously that's adding new guys, but that's still at the end of the day, you know, you add guys around your core, you build around your core, right. the stre- build around the strengths of your core. But I mean, I think our core has a, has an extremely high ceiling. It has to be one of the brightest in the NBA. I agree with that. Right now. Um, that. Jared Allen's only 23 years old. That, turning 24. That, Marketing is 24 years old. Like, like, like exactly. can we take exactly. a second? Yeah. Like, can we take a second? So like there was this thing, a study, I think last year at some point in time, and they listed the cores of, of NBA teams. And I, if we made the list, we were, I don't even think we made the list. Like uh, if we did, we were at the very back of the 10. Yeah, um, we were at the, it was like ESPN. I think oh, man. Ford did it or something. Yeah, like and, something you know, like they were loving Atlanta. They were loving Charlotte. They were loving Boston, even though Boston shouldn't have been on that list. Um, they right. were they were loving a lot of guys. And, you know, Memphis has, has borne itself to be true. Um, sure. Uh, but I would put us in that top three now, like literally. Sure. Just from the acquisition of Mobley, what we showed this season, the Garland ascension, I would I yep. would put us in the top three, um, up there with yeah. right now up there with Memphis, and, and we did uh, we didn't even mention Colin Minnesota. Sexton. Uh, we didn't even mention Colin Sexton. Oh my God! Like thank you for saying that, and it, it's very important that you say that. I think you and you and me may have been adversarial. Um, I know I was adversarial with Rich because I was I was taking a standpoint of in order for us to see more and the better and the best of Garland. We needed to clear that deck, um, and but as sure. as the injury happened, I was like, okay, no wait, this could be a blessing in disguise, because right. this this guy may now willingly accept the role that I believe he'll be best at. Um, yes. So let's let's actually touch on that for a split second because let me make him my wild card right now, boobs. Like sure. if if everybody's like, okay, looking at the roster as it currently stands, we will probably just be a play in still. Let me let me offer this for you. If we can figure out the Sexton conundrum, if we can uh, create that role for him and clearly define it for him, where he can actually take ownership of it and and he can excel at it, because like you said, he he he's a gym holic, right? And he's he's obviously very passionate about you know being loyal and sticking with you know like the guys who stuck with him and everything. 
I believe mm-hmm. if we enter the season and this role is very clearly defined, hey, Colin, you are six guy, okay? And there'll be sometimes you come off and you're going to, you know, share minutes with Garland. There's sometimes you're going to come off, you're going to share minutes with Levert, whatever. But when you come off, we want you to do blam, blam, blam. You know, like 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 your yeah. hair is on fire. That actually could make us, that could put us in contention for home court next year with everything else yeah. staying the same way it is, boobs. Do you believe that too? Yeah, I do. Um, and I believe that, you know, if we get the right, like I said, if we had the right pieces around them shooting, um, a veteran point guard, right? like we saw with them, um, and actually I'll touch on this in a moment, um, when I uh, kind of give, you know, a little bit that I uh, want some of the things I wanted to get to okay. um, with kind of dropping out there just for people to chew on um, getting a veteran point guard and, you know, building that roster around kind of the premier guys that we have now we have deepening the roster, you know, using the UDFA, the cheap guys, the draft picks that we have. Um, and, with all of that, if like if we build the right team, we have the talent. We have the high end talent now, right. um, and we have the high end role player talent, or the high not even role player. I don't want to put sex into a box as a role player, really. Um, no, because, I totally get it. I totally get it. But at the same time, you know, he could. We we could do so much. Um, we could just have so much firepower at one point at any point. Or just have such a good, um, we could have such a good fitting roster. He had shooting that we sorely missed. Right. He had speed. He had rim. He had free. Th- he had getting the line. He had so many things that this team kind of struggled at at various points throughout the year. Um, you know, and his biggest you know miss or whatever is defense. But he, now he's now he could play at times with you know Evan Mobley, Terry Mobley and Mobley. Allen behind him. Yep. So let me exactly. let me do this. This will help us not only transition to where we're talking about um, team building for next year. And then also touch on the draft, but um, I'm going to make this, let's, let's do this. Let's do this, this exercise, right? Um, Sure. You got your top three players. um, And I'll let you give us those top three. Then you got your next, then you got your next three. So that's their top six. So you got your top three. Those guys will, you know, uh, we know who those guys are. Then you got your next three. Then you got your plus two. I need you to sure. feel the top three, next three, and the top two. These guys are all protected. Um, you're like, I'm going into next season. These guys are going to be a part yep. of this rotation. Give me those eight guys. All right. The top three are obviously Mobley, Allen, and Garland. Yes, sir. The next three, the next three are going to be part of the rotation, the rotation. The next three are going to be Lori Markinen. Carius Levert and Colin Sexton. Yes, sir. All right. And then the two ringers. Um, and I'm going to put this as overall when, you know, it gets down to the nitty gritty of the season. It may not be this way at the start of the season. And you might know kind of what way I'm going with this, but <laughs> the next two guys are going to be Ricky Rubio and. Um, See that Ricky Rubio and Lamar Stevens. Oh, because, that was yeah. I was I was like so I'm over here boobs. I hope you my brain yeah. is so funny the way it works. I expected <laughs> you to say 
So there were there were there were a lot of candidates, you know, like there's there's Kevin Love and he's coming up on his last year. Potential buyout, potential move, but also um it can he give us anything more than he gave us this year? I don't believe so. But then there's also Isaac Okoro and and Lamar Stevens. Like you like if you had to pick one of these guys to protect, where are you going? Then there's also, you know, like there there are there are other candidates who could have been included in that. There's my boy who I'm personally attached to now and drippy Dean Wade. Um, so th- there's, yeah. there's guys who probably and have, have a, you know, a say that they could fight their way into sure. that. Um, but you pick the guys who I, I was, I, I think that you should have uh, almost until the very end of the season, I would have still said a coral over Stevens up until the last month of the season. I would have yeah. made sure a coral was in that eight. I don't feel that way anymore. So I'm not saying, Hey, let's, let's pick this eight and everybody else, you know, is not a part of the, is a part of the purge. I'm not saying that, Sure. but everybody else I'm, I'm looking at, like, could I u- potentially use these guys yeah. to, to better sure. fitting parts? You know, like if any There's of these, the sign of shooting in my, ah, uh, my brother, you said the exact same. So if any of these other guys who are not a part of that eight, I can bundle together in order to, you know, like uh, maybe an ill-fitting, like a Duncan Robinson, a Joe Harris, yeah. or whatever that, uh, uh, not a canard, but somebody in that vein right. that doesn't have a terrible, terrible contract, essentially. Yeah. I would realistically do it. And I and I don't yeah, feel bad at this moment saying a coral could be used or shopped <laughs> as a part of that. Like um, in the play-in for San Antonio, Devin Vassell tore New Orleans' ass up. And I was like, man, that kid. If they didn't have Kelton Johnson, I would totally be like, give us that guy. Like we, we got a we got a pop guy sitting over here. Um so if there's a exactly. young if there's a young guy that has that range and it has better length, like the Trey in uh New Orleans, or um, you know, like there's a couple guys yeah. around the league who are younger who could fill that spacer kind of thing. Um so I'm 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 glad you said that because you picked my exact eight. And I I the yeah, reason, because um, man. with Kevin Love, shout out to Kevin Love for what he did this year for this Absolutely. team Absolutely. and what he's going to continue to do. But he's my ninth guy. Absolutely. Shout out, because shout out, Love. Not, Thank he you. He couldn't be on the floor against Trey Young. Yep. Team building for next year and then the draft. Yeah. When you're talking team building, are you saying, "Hey, I've got my feelers, I've got my eyes out already," or are yeah. you are you saying, "Hey, I'm hearing already"? intentions and things like that like yeah like, i'm hearing some intentions okay um in my top eight i mentioned ricky rubio who we traded away um i was gonna say this anyway today and i was going to uh i was just getting it confirmed 100 percent before sent on the board but fedor kind of scooped me on it <laughs> um the Cavs sources expect ricky rubio to return next year i love that um, to the Cavs. i love that so much Dude, I so, love it. I love it for a lot of reasons. I love it. Um, both sides, both I sides are I very interested in a reunion. So I love that. I like. I I mentioned something a couple of days ago, um, and I was I was in the keys with my toes up and stuff, but I was typing and I was like, I just threw. I was like, hey, two years and a, and a and a team option kind of thing. I would love to do that because yeah, the cat is thirty one. Yes, he's coming off of the second. ACL on Sandy. Yeah. He won't be ready until the, the the end of the year, beginning of next year. But 
And the uh, irony we, to that, Clay Thompson looks pretty good right now. I was just about to say that the irony to that is Clay Thompson just showed us he only needs a good month and then a little bit of patience as he works off the rust. Yep. And then come playoff time, like you can do something crazy, you know, like that, like yeah. Den- like Denver had no, yes, they had the injuries, but the fact that they're meshing at the right time, the Warriors, like they look dangerous again because of that. Oh yeah, they are. Um, Anybody who thinks they aren't. Yeah. Either wasn't a Cavs fan, they didn't. They're neither not a Cavs fan, and they didn't watch enough Warriors, <laughs> you know. Before you know, because we all know, and the, we all know. So here's the plus side of what you could do if you pigeonhole that Rubio uh, slot and you you like keep it warm. You light a yeah. fire under some of the young guys, and you clearly define their role, and then you can get a Jordan Poole. Like you you can exactly. you can get a Gary Payton uh, Junior. You know, Sexton. like. You know, you, yes, um, like, Sexton himself. I mean, you know, you kind of give him a chance. You know, we got the adult coming back, but for sure. now, Colin, let's see what you got out right. there. You know what I'm saying? You take the unit, and then we got some help coming. You know, if things start, to, you know, if the ship starts, you know, sinking. But you know, let's let's give Colin the ball, and then you know, playoff time. You know, we're gonna want a better defender, decision maker out there. Um, alongside of him, um, you know, a guy who can defend twos, uh, et cetera, like Rubio, because Rubio is like six four. Right. So, I think it's a great um, thing. I think it uh, lowers the importance of that backup point guard role in terms of what we got to spend right. to bring it back elsewhere, or any kind of assets we got to put into maybe looking at a trade for one or in the draft. I think it formalizes what we're going to be looking for in the draft in terms of a wing. Uh, I think it formalizes what we're going to be using the rest of our exceptions on, which is wing shooting, um, stuff like that. So I would say this, Boobs, um, from the mind of Kobe Altman, I would like to to potentially get a seat warmer, a 10 or 11 or 12 guy who, sure. you know, like, and, and uh, I've mentioned this before because damage sold me on them tough. I like Ty Jerome. There's other guys who feel a Rubio prototype who are sure. not Rubio, but could potentially not just in practice, you know, like be the, you know, a bizarro Rubio that keeps that seat warm, you know, like, Hey, with this second unit, I'm going to be this for you guys until this guy is is back. But I I could actually show you guys something because there's, there's been guys around the league who have played roles like that, who eventually use that to catapult themselves. Like, um, like we keep talking about Tyus Jones here in Memphis. He did that with Minnesota. Um, and, Memphis was ready to give him a commitment like, hey, be our third guard kind of thing because of what he showed in right. a seat warmer role. So exactly. um, I would like to look into a seat warmer who could fill that prototype. Right. Not, not to take I'm, minutes I'm away from Colin. Money spent. Okay, okay, yeah. Of course, we yeah. got to get somebody, yeah. but I'm talking about money spent. Absolutely, absolutely. Assets expended. Okay, no, I love that. I, I appreciate that Rubio is, is being made a priority and that there seems to be mutual interest in getting that done. I love that a lot. Me too. So um, that put that makes him a part of your top eight. That makes sense to me. Absolutely. And then um, I know there's been a lot of said, a lot said, it's like, you know, really the only guys safe, right, are Garland, Mobley, and Allen. Right. But I, I, with the Cavs keeping the draft pick, with us having the mid-level exception, I wouldn't expect a significantly different roster in the fall than what we have right now. I would expect the Cavs to make every effort 
to obviously re-up Colin Sexton. Right. I do expect them to engage in significant extension talks with Harris Levert. Um, I do expect them to bring back, bring to bring you know bring the band back together, man. Okay. Um, in a lot of ways, and I think some of that may affect what they do in the draft. Let's let's use our jig transition city thing here one more time. Transition city. Does that mean that we prioritize certain prospects in a different way? Because I, I personally, my you know, if, if I'm the left part of his brain and you're the right, I personally am approaching this like wing shooting, three and D versatility sure. is top of my uh, yeah. draft pick list no matter what. Is there a potential where if we come back with the same roster? And when you're saying the same roster, I, I'm automatically I'm already writing off Jetty. Maybe I should not. Um, I would not write off Teddy Osman. Yeah, wow. okay. Kobe Altman is the guy who who scouted Teddy Osman. Wow. Kobe Altman is the guy who um, you know brought him over here essentially and had Griff draft him. And Kobe Altman is the guy who saw Teddy Osman having a career year before Rick Rubio tore his ACL. That is true. As a guy who's on an expiring contract. With that's lowering in value, it's about seven point five million dollars, and I think the following year it's non guaranteed for about like six point eight or something like that. Not a bad gamble, is it, what you're saying. It, exactly. I mean, they will they will go through the trade market. Okay. They're not they they're they're not going to say we're not going to trade Chevy Osman. Just like they're not going to say we're not going to trade Isaac Okoro. Right. But they're looking to develop Isaac Okoro this summer. They're looking to unlock his offensive game. Right. And I said that with quotation marks, yes, in my uh, law. <laughs> well, I said that. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, both of those guys, maybe they'll check out what we could package those two guys together. You know, could we package those two guys for Duncan Robinson, save Miami a bunch of money? Maybe that's something they look at. Yeah. I do know they like Duncan Robinson. Is that something that he would be open to? Uh, Mickey Harrison's cheap. So, you know, you make expiring money, sure. non-guaranteed the following year, and then a young guy like Okoro who's got another year on his rookie deal, yeah, he culture him, and you know <laughs> what I'm saying, and, you know, get his, you know, he's, he's got that kind of, he, you know, maybe you know, maybe he could do a better job with him or right. maybe put him to better use. Um, and they got that Max Strauss, Max Struess, however you say it, to um, kind of replace Robinson's shooting from that same spot. So I wouldn't be shocked. If something like that happened, sure. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's a done deal either way, um, one way or the other. Okay. I think Teddy expects to be here as of right now. So coming back to that that fourteen pick, which you know, like worst case scenario, that's where that pick is at. Um, but as we yeah. just as we just saw with some lottery luck, thing weirder things have happened. Boobs, I don't even want to go down that road because. Some of that top end talent, man. I would, I would buy season tickets if we got a top end. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'll go ass with you, man. On a whatever like, package, like we, if we like get Jabari Smith. Oh man, if we got Jabari Smith, I gotta lock those tickets in. Seriously, um, that guy would be the perfect piece. Uh, I, I haven't even considered any of the chat or uh, we, you and I were chatting a little bit about Banchero, but I'm talking about yeah. Uh, Jabari Smith. Like if we Jabari Smith yeah. is the guy. Oh man. So Yeah, him and him and Jaden Ivy are my top two guys. So okay. So after lottery luck, if that, you know, did not come to fruition, we're just gonna play, you know, worst case scenario, we end up with that fourteenth pick. 
Sure. What is your list looking like? Just top three guys, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap well, this thing up here. Yeah, I do think the Cavs have some upward mobility potential in the okay. draft. Okay. Um, or downward, depending on what it looks like. See, I think they're they could go one of two ways. They could they're going to get that wing. They're going to go with that wing. Sure. Are they going to go with a three and D wing? Are they going to go with the Ochai Baji? Like that, that? That's my current favorite uh, from Kansas. He kind of. You know, another uh, who, who's a Big 12 guy. Sure. Shot the lights out. Came in, is making a big impact right now. For Memphis, is Desmond Bain, right? So, um, now another Big 12 guy. Good defender. Uh, he's a great athlete. He's got kind of the physical profile of a Matisse Stiebel. Um, You know, he's got that almost seven-foot wingspan. He's got that. He's only 6'5", which is the downside. Maybe 6'6 six, six in shoes, but 6'5". What but, is what know, is Matisse Thibault's? Is he 6'6"? Six, six? What, what, I've always felt like he just looks like he's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, in his it's length. That standing reach. Agbaji is the same kind of way, I think. He's got that long-standing reach, okay. that long wingspan. You know what I'm saying? It's Man, I love like Matisse Thibault. You play bigger than you are. Sure. You play bigger than you stand. On the court, you know, I looked it up. I googled it, you know, because I was like, <laughs> I'm like I promise, I think he's like six, seven, six, eight. But that would totally lend itself yeah. to why he's so agile on the perimeter. Um, that yeah, exactly. crazy, so, crazy arm length, but he's actually not some yeah. lanky dude. Like he's just, right. you know, long arms. Okay, exactly. So you know, they could go that route, and you know, I think you have a lower ceiling there. Certainly, but he brings a lot of what you're really looking for to the team. Lower like, ceiling, but higher in, floor. Three and D, you could plug him in day one, okay. and that guy is going to win games with you. Right. Um, and he's really a lot of what you need, man, to kind of bridge, really to bridge Levert and Garland more than even bridging with the big. You know, it's one thing to have the dunker guy, you know, shading towards right. your your ball handlers, but to have the corner, you know, the corner perimeter defender doing it too is just like kills you kills your offense it shrinks the floor it cuts the floor in half it shrinks sure. the floor yep. um but then there's guys like uh, i know one of the favorites in the bar right now is uh, tori eason right and he's long and um he's kind of got a more of a developmental profile but a L- little bit older he's know, he, just i think what is he a year younger than abaiji he's yeah 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 he's not you know a little younger but i don't know he's, i'm not the biggest fan of him but i guess statistically uh, from an advanced stats perspective he's right. uh he's a darling Here's here's yeah. my here's my take on him really quickly before we breeze to the next guy. Um, he jumped off the screen to me in the maybe two or three games I saw because I saw there was like an early early year thing where LSU and Auburn Auburn both of them I think were undefeated in the SEC and um, Auburn you know like they had a lot going for them with their pressure and everything like that but Easton kept making these plays and he was play he was playing f- from the three to the five. Uh, he there was this one oop thing that he did where I was like, all right, take Shaq's son off the floor and just play him now. And then he did get the time and he made a difference. I think Auburn still won the game. And then the next time I saw him, uh, it wasn't against Auburn. Uh, it may have been against uh, Kentucky or something like that. And both times he jumped off the screen as somebody is like, uh, I know this guy's supposed to be a wild card, but he knows what he's doing. He knows Absolutely. how to – he doesn't need the ball in order to be effective as an offensive player. He knew how yep. to just be, be smart and play off the other guys. And then defensively, he was an impact defender three through five. Not saying – you know, because I don't know enough about him. I know that there's guys with models and all this kind of stuff 
that are like, you know, like really feeling some type of way about him. But he's definitely yeah. towards the top of my list. I, I really like his game. Sure. I like him too. And then um, I think there's two more guys I want to okay. touch on. I think the Cavs are going to take an early look at Jeremy Sochan from Baylor. He jumped off the page at me. He, um, in that yeah. game, in that game where they almost stole it from my Tar Heels boobs, um, yeah. he was the guy I feared the absolute most, you know? Like they had all kinds of, they, they had their guards and all that kind of stuff, but kept them alive by bringing the fight. Yeah. And, and when Baylor was laying down early, he was the only guy on Baylor that was like, like, I'm about to fight these dudes. Like, Right. He, he was yeah. out there. He was mixing it up. Like he was mixing it up with Baycott. He was mixing it up with dude ended up elbowing him and getting ejected actually. Sure. And it almost turned the whole tide of the game. So he has a weird, even though he's super young, I see a little yeah. bit of like Draymond to him. Like he's got. Yeah. I like so Chan. Yeah. I yeah. I like him. I like so Chan. I like him. Uh, I think he might be a trade down target. And his, his offensive gain is totally. I think he's going to slide. Okay. I think he's going to slide to the late teens, early twenties. So I think if the Cavs decide to um, trade down and maybe give themselves a second chance later in the first or, right. um, you know, whatever they decide to do, um, he could be, you know, if their guys are off the board by then, he could be uh, kind of a, a target there. And then um, maybe the most intriguing, and he was brought up by at first, I mean, I've been looking into him, but the first mention I saw of him on the board Shout out to Ben, okay. RCF Ben. Yeah. Um, can't discount what RCF Ben says ever. <laughs> you know, that's our OG. Um, you have that's, to take that's him our, serious. Uh, our Yoda, the OG of the yeah. OGs. Yeah, exactly. And he said the Cavs needed to get to eight. I don't know if this guy will even be there. I, or I think this guy may slip well past eight. But the f- young Frenchman, I don't even know how to say his first name. Yeah. Main Yang. Yeah. But. He has the physical profile. He has the best physical profile of any of the players we discussed. Sure. Um, he's like skinny Nick Batum, I think, a little bit. <laughs> but he's stronger a little bit. Sure, he's got sure. that wiry Yana uh, strength. I'm going to call right. it wiry Yana strength. You, you're, about to have me, you're about to have me looking at grainy film in a French countryside gym uh, no, for the rest no, of the night he, here. Uh, he, he played in the pro, the pro league over there. Uh, I think, or whatever. He played in the pro league. There should be good footage of him, but um, he had a absolutely terrible, ugly start to the season in the um, NBDL, whatever league he's in. Sure. He, he was terrible, and his shooting numbers look ugly at first glance, but this is a guy who came on so strong in the second half of the season there and has really just kind of popped off the page like you got guys like give john giveny mike schmitz talking this guy up and you know about this you know about his strong second half performance and he's drawing so much eye-popping interest in these lottery teams um because he just got that physical profile of just this guy's an elite he's long he's like anthony randolph Oh man! <laughs> no, I mean he's got—he's he's that long, lanky. We can handle the ball. Oh he's man, got that you jerky, just—he's he, a strong contender. Everybody on that, the board knows game. how passionate I am. You're like, there's so boobs. My favorite food of all time always will be is macaroni and cheese. Right? Like, sure. like you—you you cannot go wrong. Like, I've had some terrible stuff. But um, I don't even—I don't even put that stuff on my plate anymore. I can look at some mac and cheese. And tell you, 
But that, yeah. I mean, if if the event has it, I don't care what it is, and it's got some good baked mac and cheese, dude. I, like my ears perk up. Like it's a, it's a good yeah. day for me. Ma- Anthony Randolph has always been my mac and cheese for NBA yeah, prototypes. And so who who's that? I'm gonna ask you this last question, then we're gonna literally wrap this up. Who's your who's your guy? That's like an NBA prototype guy. Maybe he didn't realize or actualize what he is, but he's always set the bar for you. Where you're like, oh, if I can find a guy like that, and we can put him in the right developmental structure. Who's that guy for you in, in your basketball watching uh, career here? Man, man, I'm gonna get yeah. It's almost as embarrassing. <laughs> Come on, brother. Say out loud, but like, man, Perry Jones was my guy. Oh, wow. But I was not Eli's. I was that. That was not me. I agree with you a hundred percent because Perry Jones my was right God, after Perry Anthony Jones Randolph. Was, I was like, oh. is this Durant? He was like, right after was... Randolph. He was in that Big Twelve. Yeah. He played for Baylor, along with yeah. uh, Quincy Quincy Miller. I think it was. It was his yeah. running mate. And I was like, dude, this dude is like, this dude is about to take the KD model to the next level. So yeah. no, no, you're you're not wrong. Um, yeah, I've always, yeah, he was more offensively uh, gifted at that at that college level, right? Um, but that's because they were so helter skelter. Like Drew just had them dudes. He rolled the ball out and just like go play. Um, yeah, exactly. It just uh, for me God, at LSU Randolph, there was a defensive versatility that was like, wait, this dude really plays like a guard, right. and then he's a willing passer who just wants... He was like Scotty Barnes before Scotty Barnes, but he didn't have the muscle, and he didn't have the right. brain, you know? Like, his brain yeah. wasn't... So, like, everybody's come along since then. Patrick Williams, Scotty Barnes, who've actually had more body and more brain, I've been like, you guys need to thank Anthony Randolph, because he showed you. He he walked so you could run, kind yeah. of thing. So, and Perry I really Jones... Like, I also really have a sting, also, for other guys like... Uh, like players' sons, like Peyton Jr. and Kenyon Mart, like those kind of guys. Yeah, I, I like players' sons, man. It just seems like I agree. That the the legacy know. babies, the the guys who you knew they were probably dribbling the ball at like four, five, six. They were around the life of it, so they they're not going to be wild by it, kind of thing. And exactly. then usually yeah. they have a drive. With that in mind, and the last person we're going to touch on in the draft, how do you feel about sure. Griffin at Duke? AJ Griffin. Um, he is excellent. Um, I, he's excellent. I heard some gaps. He, so my take, I'm a, I'm a Carolina guy. So I watch this yeah. guy, but I'm not just a Carolina guy. I watch ACC ball because I like to see what's happening. I watched him a few times. I wasn't wild throughout the whole season. Um, yeah. And I, I kept being told that it was just a matter of certain things. But I think the way I'm watching a coral right now, I'm a yeah. little, I'm a little more uh, AJ Griffin shy um, because yeah. I see. I like uh, I like Mathuri more than Griffin. I do too. Good call. I do too. My brother, I think so, that we have sufficiently yes, climbed into the mind of Kobe Altman. So uh, sure. I appreciate yeah. your time, man. You just killed it for awesome, us. Man. It's gonna be a great off season. I haven't been this pumped up about an off season um, in a long time. It I'm is really, crucial. I'm. I, it was bummed we didn't get in the playoffs, but I'm pumped for that lottery pick. It's, got, it's nice to have a chance at the lottery with like the talent we already have, and then like the winning season we just had. Yes, sir. We haven't had that kind of thing in a long time, man. So I'll say this last thing: and we have a very transformative off season in front of us. There's a lot of things that can happen. A lot of ways we can go. Super confident about the guys that are making the decisions in the in the top top chairs. So, yes. um, the, if you don't take anything else from this podcast, the mind of Kobe Altman. 
is that um, the people that are first and foremost, Kobe Altman, but then those other guys that he has that are making decisions with him in that front office. I'm, I'm, I'm really confident that we'll come out of this off season with a, a clear picture. Yes, Thank you, boobs, man. Enjoy your All night. Right, Rich. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Appreciate you, my brother. This is Joe Tate. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>